Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening here until 11 p.m. Thanks for staying up late with us. We really do appreciate it. And one of the things, if you've heard me over the years, that just drives me crazy is taxation without a basis for taxation. I mean, I don't mind paying taxes. I pay a lot of taxes. Trust me, I have to hire an accountant to pay the taxes. But I don't mind because that's the cost of freedom. And yet, if I'm going to be taxed improperly, I have a problem with that because that's the forcible extraction of money from my wallet without my permission. And in other contexts, that's called theft or burglary or robbery. But when the government does it, apparently it's okay. So one of the things that really has caught my attention in the last few weeks is the situation involving the city earnings tax. So I wanted to reach out to my good friend, Beavis Shock, who's uh, an attorney here in St. Louis, has got some litigation going on this. Hey, Beavis, uh, you are a familiar voice here on KMOX. Yes, I am. I'm honored to be on your show, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Well, I got to tell you very quickly, you know, Charlie Brennan likes to say that you are the official attorney for the Charlie Brennan Show. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on with Hancock and Kelly on Friday, and I brought this up, and they said, well, Brad, Beavis may be the official attorney for Charlie Brennan, but on Fridays, Brad, you are the official attorney for Hancock and Kelly. (laughs) And I I felt good about that, Beavis, because I didn't want to be that guy that gets the card in Monopoly that says, you came in second in a beauty contest, you win 10 bucks, because that's the way I felt. But, you know, now I am the official attorney for Hancock and Kelly. But uh, but I wanted to I wanted to reach out to you, Beavis, because you have filed a lawsuit against the city of St. Louis over the city earnings tax. And specifically, if I can just kind of set the stage here, the city has decided to collect the one percent earnings tax on individuals who worked from home during the pandemic outside of the city of St. Louis. But they're still being forced to pay that earnings tax. Tell us about your lawsuit. Okay, so before the pandemic, people who lived outside the city and worked in the city had to pay 1% earnings tax. If you live in the city, you got to pay the 1%. Nobody's, that's, not, that's not part of the story. But if you live outside the city and work in the city, your employer would withhold 1% and file your tax return and pay it. Your accountant, most people uh, just have an account or whatever, and they, they pay it. But... 
if a person had travel days, like they were with the Cardinals, going to uh, – they just come back from San, uh, San Francisco or the Cubs next this coming weekend, they didn't owe earnings tax on those days because they were traveling. They weren't in the city. Meanwhile, if you were working from home for whatever reason, you didn't owe the 1% either. Now, for example, this whole thing started because of an accountant – He's with a big firm, one of the, so there are four gigantic accounting firms that have all this Fortune 500 business. Sure. And he, but he lives out in Washington, Missouri, and handles, I presume, the big businesses out there. There's a bunch of hospitals out there and stuff. And he would go into, into the city of St. Louis and work a couple days a week, whatever. And, but he would file for a refund. He was technically employed at headquarters downtown, but he was, he would apply for a refund for all the days he worked in Washington, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And he never had any problems, no problems. So the pandemic comes, and now they won't pay him his refund. And this is how the whole thing started. And basically what happened was that the city collector of revenue and the cities, I presumably with the conniving of the mayor under both administrations, the most recent and the current, uh, said, we're just going to change the rules in the middle of the game and if a person Amazing. works at 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 home because of COVID, and there are a lot of people who've done this. Now, the real Many. people in the United States, the real workers, the guys working at grocery store checkout, working in a hospital, driving uh, around town, making deliveries, the, nobody cares about them, right? They're actually mm-hmm. doing the work in this world. They're the people we got to care about the most, but we don't. I'm talking now about the lawyers, the insurance people, the accountants. The uh, these uh, a lot of high dollar workers, they live in Ladue, right? Clayton and Richmond Heights and uh, town and country and many in Arnold and St. Charles. And and they worked from home during the pandemic on Zoom. That's what they did. And they weren't in the city. And the ordinance says the city can collect one percent for days when your work was performed or services were rendered in the city. So all of a sudden, the city changes the rules of the game. I'm sorry. No more. Uh. Uh, refunds for teleworking. They still give you your refund for traveling, which I think probably got done by the Cardinals and the Blues management. They went in there sure. and said, now, wait a minute. Uh, there's a lot of money to stay for our guys. <laughs> a lot here. of we, money. We a lot can't of money. have that. We can't have that. <laughs> oh, of course, of course, of course. No problem. Uh, we, we wouldn't want Mr. Goldschmidt. Uh, no, not at uh, all. We want to keep Arenado around as long as possible. Yeah, we, we want to kind of keep Arenado and Goldschmidt <laughs> around. <laughs> So anyway, um, uh, we filed a lawsuit and said you can't change the rules. And we got a lot of different theories of why we would win, including violations of the Constitution, because it's a seizure of the citizen's property. And, uh, and, and, and what's kind of interesting in the story is that the city already has the money, right? Because the way it always has worked, see, this whole thing with getting refunds was never any kind of material amount of money until the pandemic. It was a few people traveling and maybe a lot of people just ignored it, forget about it. Who cares? It's a few bucks. But when you're talking about three quarters of the year, it turns into real money. If a person is making a hundred thousand dollars a year, three months, 1% is $750. That's a fair amount of dough. Yes. And, it uh, is. and it's, and it's actually, uh, completely wrong what the city has done. I mean, that's just absolutely unfair and wrong. You're exactly right. We're, we're, we're talking to attorney Beavis Shock, and, and, you know, I've since 19, I started working in the city Beavis in 1992 
and I worked downtown for various law firms, and I continue to pay the city earnings tax. So, uh, but but just conceptually, even though I've never lived in the city since uh, I graduated from SLU Law School, but conceptually, just explain the the concept behind the city earnings tax. If you live outside of the city, but you work in the city, what's the concept of why you should be charged the city earnings tax? Well, you got to get you got to get a little history lesson there. So, when we got to the end of World War II, there were almost a million people living in the city and just a tiny number living in the county. I mean, it was all just farmland and, uh, and, and nobody lived out in the county, little villages and stuff. Clayton was a little tiny village. And, and then after World War II, uh, crime went up, the hassles went up, everybody had a car. It was hot in the city. Air conditioning was just coming in, probably not even at all, really, in the 40s, late 40s till the 50s. And people said, I think we kind of like to live out in the suburbs, uh, out of the city and drive in every day. Well, when they did that, the property taxes paid on real estate, residential real estate, crashed. And the city was out of money. And so they said, now, wait a minute, this isn't fair. When an employer, excuse me, an employee comes down to the job in the city. See, the jobs moved much more slowly than the people. So the jobs were all still in the city. People took streetcars downtown and stuff. And, and, and the city said, you're using the streets. You're using the police. You're using the fire. You got to pay. You're coming downtown to work. You got to pay 1% uh, if you're working down here because you're using city services. And there's a little merit to that, right? That, that's not that's not insane. No, not at all. That, that, that kind of makes some sense. Now, it turns out to be a disaster if you really think about it, because businesses have choices. So you got some big honcho in some company. So let's see. Well, shall we pay one percent to the city, or shall we just move to the county and save one percent? I think we'll save one percent, and out they go, right? So that's why there's nobody left in the city. I mean, it's it, but but meanwhile, the voters who are left, they think. Now, let's see. If I vote to keep the earnings tax, other people are paying it. If I vote to eliminate the earnings tax, my taxes go up because there's no revenue from those who come in from out of town. So I'll vote to retain the earnings tax. And so then more people leave. And it's just it's a cycle of disaster like the rest of the city's problems. It truly is. Hey, Beavis, we need to take a break here. Can you hold with us through the break? Absolutely. As long as you want. I'm, I'm, I'm yours. Thank you. We're talking to Attorney Beavis Schock, who's filed a class action lawsuit on behalf of folks who have paid city earnings tax, even if they've been working from home during the pandemic outside of the city. And we're going to hear more about his lawsuit and if this perhaps applies to you, how you can get involved with this as well. Brad Young sitting in this evening at your service on X. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to At Your Service. We're, of course, talking with Beavis Shock and about his lawsuit that he has filed against the city of St. Louis over the city earnings tax. And Beavis, uh, thanks so much for sticking with us through the break. You got it. Hey, prior to filing this lawsuit, did you have any discussions uh, with the city collector of revenue regarding this change of policy that you described for us where they would previously give refunds if you were spending time not working in St. Louis, but then they magically changed their position during COVID. Any discussions with the city of revenue or the director of revenue before you filed your lawsuit? Uh, the, the guy that's relevant is the collector. And, and I did a little back channel with the city councilor. So the city has a, has a lawyer, a bunch of lawyers called this. It's at the city councilor's office and, and they kind of handle this kind of thing. And I had, I, I got a lot of contacts down there and it was, Hey Beavis, we're doing it. So you can you can do whatever you want to challenge it, but we're going to keep the money. And there's really okay, yeah, there's and there's really no conceptual rationale for this. I mean, you laid out the conceptual rationale for the city earnings tax, which I agree with. If you're if you're living in the county, you're working in the city, you're still driving on streets. You you uh, have the ability to to be protected by the police, whatever that's worth. And you also have the ability to be, you know, re- responded to by fire and ambulance. I get that, but there is no conceptual reason why you should have to pay the city earnings tax if you're not in the city, other than the city just wants your money. Is that basically the bottom line? Well, that's on the right track. I'm going to adjust that a little bit. Uh, the way the way taxes work is that the legislative branch decides what's going to be taxed. And there's thousands of academic articles on how we ought to structure taxes. 
and one can spend a lot of time thinking about that. But the, but the thing that really sticks is that it's a function of the legislature in, in the city. That would be the Board of Aldermen or the state legislature, or the United States Congress, depending on the level of government. They decide what's going to be taxed. And we as voters, if we don't like it, we can throw them out. They can put in a different tax. Uh, and and then the legi- excuse me, the executive branch, that would be, in this case, the collector, the mayor, these kinds of people, their job is to set in place a mechanism for the people to pay. So create return forms and challenge the ones that don't pay and, and uh, that sort of thing. And the rule of the game is that if, it, if, if the tax isn't in the law, passed by the legislature, signed into law by the executive, the mayor or the governor or the president, it's not a tax. This is so taxes are not something in a free society that the that the executive branch gets to say, hmm, let's have a tax. <laughs> I mean, it has to it, it has to go through the people who are the representatives of the people elected through the through the process. And and what happened here is that the executive unilaterally decided to start taxing that which hadn't been taxed. And and if you think about it, that's really a threat to liberty. Sure it because is. It, because the executive branch can't make that decision. It's a usurpation that's, of power by the executive branch. That's really scary and bad. And uh, and we don't want that as a society because, see, it, your, your freedom depends on this idea of three branches of government, and they kind of challenge each other, and, and they— uh, uh, fight with each other, which is which is good. That's what you want. People say, "Oh, we have divided government; nothing will get done." That's what we want. Yes, right? that's, that's the way good. it's designed. And how much <laughs> yeah, money but, but, are we talking about here, Beavis? I mean, in terms of the city, sure. people hear this one percent earnings tax, but what does that right. mean in real dollars? Okay, okay. So the city's budget's about five hundred million, and the earnings tax is about two hundred million of that. Wow. And 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 then so I think probably half the money is from people, I'm just guessing here, I just don't know, but I think it's a sensible guess. Half the money, $100 million, is from people who are teleworking well, or working during the pandemic, because it's the high-dollar people, right? It's yeah, well, actually, I, I hate to correct you here, Beavis, but I looked up the number uh, today. It's actually 75% of the, of the $200 million a year that the city collects in the city earnings tax. 75% of it comes from non-city residents. Well, uh, yes, but see, a lot of them were not tele were not teleworking. You got oh, okay, to put in the mix. Sure. The guys. What if you're fixing brakes down on Kings Highway? Right. But you live in Arnold, right? That guy got had to go. To work, right? The rich people. Oh, I can't go to work. I might get COVID. Well, what about the guy fixing the brakes? He's supposed to go to work, right? Still has he's to a go low. To work. He's a low person. He has our society only the elites count. They don't go to work. They stay home. So you're kind of coming in and out on us here, Beavis, but in the time we have left, uh, and hopefully your cell connection will get a little bit better. Oh, I think we just lost you. Beavis is going to call back in just a second here. We're going to get him on. Uh, we're going to get him back on the line because his cell, which, you know, that's the thing. Everyone, uh, the cell the cell coverage isn't always great. And when you, when you talk to folks about doing landline interviews anymore, folks will tell you, what's a landline? I don't even know what that is. So... Uh, <laughs> 
So we're going we're gonna to get him right back on the air because this is such a critically important issue that I wanted to have him on. And, uh, hey, Beavis, are you back on the air with us? Yeah, I, that, I, that was my fault. I'm sorry. Not a problem. Uh, hey, in the time we have left here, I just want to get to this because you are leading the charge. I was applauding you. Uh, you didn't even know it, but I was applauding you when you were attacking the constitutionality issues with red light cameras. I was applauding you on that. I'm applauding you on this as well. And if folks want to see if they can get involved with this lawsuit that you filed against the city, how can they reach out to your office to find out if they qualify? Okay. So please don't call me. Instead, go to a website we created, STL Refunds of St. Louis, STL refund.com pretty good name huh and uh and we have forms to fill out <laughs> where where the people who are live outside the city work for a city employer but telework during the pandemic can can file what's called a protest and demand which is i demand my refund of my money and the boss has got to sign it to prevent fraud you got two pieces of paper to fill out. It's actually pretty simple. It, it, the thing kind of self-populates a little bit. And But if you don't fill out the form for your days, you're not getting your money. Now, some people think, oh, the poor city. I feel so bad. They want to do everything right. Well, the city needs the money. The city doesn't need the money. They just got $500 million bucks from yes, the they feds. Did. Right? And they're just getting ready to steal all that and put it in the politicians' pockets. So, so don't worry about the city. I mean, there was some newscast on this radio station about some people building something. This is at the top of the hour, and they wanted a subsidy for marijuana. They want a subsidy to build a marijuana plant. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? It's capitalism. Build your own marijuana plant. And uh, uh, keep the money if you if you earn money, and if you lose the money, you lose your investment. Too bad. That's capitalism. It is. If you, if pe- You're exactly if right. Need to go, pe- people need to go to the website, download the form, tell your friends to download the form. We need to flood the city because let me tell you, if you don't file the form, you're not getting any money. Now, hey, what's that website again? Yeah, what's that website again, Beavis? STLrefund.com. Perfect. Hey, I applaud you. If don't fill out the form, they're not going to get it. And they got to fill out the form if you want to be participating in this. STLrefund.com. And uh, I'm going to be right. checking in with you from time to time to, to monitor your progress. And, uh, my friend, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. No guarantees. We're just just doing our best. We're fighting City Hall. That's, but I love to fight City Hall. <laughs> really? I hadn't noticed. Yeah, <laughs> Be- I hadn't noticed. Hadn't right. noticed. Uh, Beavis Shock, attorney here in St. Louis, thanks so much for joining us this evening here on Camo X. See you, everybody. Thank you, sir. Hey, when we come back, we're going we're gonna to continue this discussion uh, uh, about uh, overreach of government. And one of the ways that we've seen this overreach of government was the attempt to squelch the election law, reform laws in Arizona. And the Supreme Court just looked into this case just last week, and we're going to talk to a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation about what the Supreme Court did and why it's important, not just to Arizona, But it's important to all 50 states as we try to make sure that our electoral system is fair and not being based upon fraud. Brad Young here at your service on Camo X. Don't go away. Welcome back to Camo X. Hey, last week 
you've heard me talking about this before the decision came out, but the U.S. Supreme Court issued a major decision related to election law. The case, if you're keeping score at home, Bertovich versus Democrat National Committee. And this decision, I think, will have not just an immediate impact, but an impact that could shape election law for years to come. So to break down this decision and what it means for our election system, I reached out to Zach Smith. He is the a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's a frequent writer for the DailySignal.com, which is where I read his material. Hey, Zach Smith, welcome to KMOX. Hey, Brad, thank you so much for having me on this evening. It's I really great. appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. In fact, you wrote a recent article, and again, the DailySignal.com, it's, it's, my, it's my daily reading, pun intended. It's the first one of the first <laughs> two or three websites I hit in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee trying to wake up. And you wrote an article recently, and you wrote this. On the last day, or I'm sorry, on the last day of its term, the Supreme Court delivered a victory for those who support common sense election integrity measures. So what did the Supreme Court decide in Brnovich, and how was this a victory for common sense election integrity? Yeah, I appreciate those questions, Brad. So basically, Arizona passed a series of uh, election reform bills recently, and they were challenged by the DNC and several other plaintiffs. And there were two provisions specifically uh, that the DNC took issue with. One was Arizona's out-of-precinct provision, which basically said that if a voter goes on Election Day and doesn't vote in their assigned precinct, that the state won't count their ballot. And the other law at issue was Arizona's prohibition on vote trafficking. Uh, vote trafficking is where we've seen third-party organizations, sometimes candidates or political parties, they go in and they collect dozens or even hundreds of absentee ballots and deliver them to election officials, or they're supposed to deliver them to election officials. And as you can imagine, this is a very unsecure process, a process that's uh, open to potential fraud and abuse. And so Arizona prohibited it and said only certain individuals, family members, caregivers, mail carriers, and a few other folks would be authorized uh, to deliver absentee ballots on behalf of voters. And so both of these provisions were challenged as violating the Voting Rights Act. Uh, the vote trafficking provision was also alleged to violate the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And on both of those counts, in an opinion by Justice Samuel Alito, uh, the court rejected those claims, said there's nothing illegal about what the state of Arizona did, and that the state has a legitimate interest in making sure there's no fraud in their elections. And so that was absolutely the right result to reach. Mm -hmm. And I think it will provide some comfort uh, to other state legislatures as they also look to make sure their election processes are secure. We're talking to Zach Smith. He's a legal, legal fellow with the Heritage Foundation and a frequent writer for the DailySignal.com. And critics charged that this Arizona voting measure made it more difficult for people in general and minorities in particular to vote. But as you pointed out a moment ago, Zach, the Supreme Court actually didn't see it that way, did they? No, and in fact, uh, they said just the opposite. They said, actually, if you look at Arizona's electoral process in total, if you look at the totality of the circumstances, Arizona actually makes it very easy for their citizens to vote. They provide almost a month of early voting and absentee voting and a whole host of other accommodations that try to help 
their citizens actually vote regardless of race or party or religious affiliation or any other uh, factor like that. They just want their citizens to vote. And so, again, you know, the fact that the Supreme Court rejected this challenge, the fact that the court laid out five guideposts that lower courts should follow when evaluating similar challenges uh, is a very good step, a step in the right direction. Uh, And I think, you know, again, it's one that hopefully uh, will put a damper on some of these election-related lawsuits uh, we've seen challenging many of these laws. And I'm going to get into that challenge in Georgia in just a moment here, but but you used a term I want to I want to circle back to. You used the term vote trafficking. That's the same as the other right. term is ballot harvesting. Are those two terms synonymous? Right. They are. They're used interchangeably. Uh, you know, ballot harvesting, uh, to my ear, that sounds a little more benign than vote trafficking. Uh, but really, this is a very pernicious process. It's one that we've seen a lot of, you know, interested advocacy groups engaging in. Again, sometimes political candidates do it or political parties do it. And, you know, absentee voting is already less secure than voting uh, in person. And this process just takes that uh already less secure process and makes it even more so. Uh, The potential to alter ballots, to lose unfavorable ballots, uh, all exist. And so, you know, Arizona was absolutely right uh, to limit who can deliver absentee ballots on behalf of voters. And I'm hopeful other states will follow their lead. We're talking to Zach Smith, legal fellow with the Heritage Foundation and frequent writer at thedailysignal.com. And the, the, the challenged Arizona law that was ultimately upheld by the Supreme Court last week, they had something called an out-of-precinct policy that the Supreme Court upheld. What is an out-of-precinct policy? Sure. The out-of-precinct policy, it basically says that a, a voter has to vote in their assigned precinct on Election Day or their ballot won't be counted. And there's a lot of practical administrative reasons, a lot of security-related reasons why this is the case. And again, you know, there's allegations that this discriminated against uh, minority voters. Uh, But again, the Supreme Court rejected that and said, no, Arizona has a legitimate interest in doing this. There's nothing inappropriate with that. And by the way, that was the same outcome that the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals had reached uh, earlier in a different case uh, when considering a challenge to a different state's uh, requirement that voters vote in their assigned precinct on Election Day. Yeah, I've given people the example uh, on many occasions, Zach, that that for a, a while when I when I changed residences and I moved from one location to another, I was technically registered to vote in four different locations. And and had I been had I been unscrupulous or unethical, I mean, I could have voted four times. I had four different voter registration cards, and yet I did only lived in right. one of those four locations. So so my point is is that by Arizona stating that you need to to vote where you live and have a designated district, even when they were instructed, the poll workers were instructed to direct voters who might be in the wrong place how to get to their correct voting uh, location, the correct precinct. Uh, uh, the Supreme Court found that that didn't inhibit someone's ability and right to vote. That, that's absolutely right. And look, like you said, Arizona and other states generally are not trying to hide the ball, trying to you know make it 
confusing where voters have to go vote. Arizona provided that information well in advance. They provided specific locations, maps to locations, like you said, directed poll workers if someone came into the wrong precinct to tell them where their correct precinct was. Uh, But, you know, Brad, I think this goes to a more fundamental issue we see in many of these challenges. It's this assumption or this implication that black and minority voters are unable or less willing to follow generally applicable voting rules uh, than other groups of voters. And I think that that implicit claim is Mm -hmm. very uh, troubling. It's very insulting to black and minority voters. It is. And it's one we should all reject uh, because black and minority voters are equally as willing to follow election rules, are equally able to follow election rules and benefit from those election rules in the same way all of us do when we have free, fair, secure elections. Exactly. And and Zach Smith with the Heritage Foundation, I've got just two questions for you this evening. And thanks. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us this evening. Two questions. Of course. Uh, I, I noticed this week that the Department of Justice, at the direction of President Biden, filed suit challenging this new voter law in Georgia much of which is extremely similar to the Arizona voting law that was literally just upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court. So how do you think this decision from the Supreme Court impacts the lawsuit filed by the Justice Department in Georgia? Well, if you or your listeners are interested in finding out more, please consider following me on Twitter at TZ Smith. Uh, I actually wrote about this at the Daily Signal. I tweeted about it at the time. Uh, But the Bronovich decision, uh, which is the Arizona case the Supreme Court decided, is bad news for the Department of Justice. In fact, it directly uh, seems to kick out one of the allegations the DOJ made in their Georgia lawsuit uh, because the Georgia law and the Arizona law are very similar. Uh, But more to the point, you know, this lawsuit in Georgia, unfortunately, read more like a partisan press release Hmm. than a document that would be filed in a court of law. And so, unfortunately, I think what we're seeing at the Justice Department right now is a continuation of the liberal advocacy work that many of the high-ranking officials there, like Kristen Clark, who heads the uh, DOJ Civil Rights Division, like Vanita Gupta, who's the number three person at DOJ right now, uh, both of those individuals were left-wing, worked for left-wing advocacy groups before rejoining the DOJ. Uh, And unfortunately, this lawsuit just seems to be a continuation of their liberal advocacy work uh, under the guise of a a lawsuit. Hey, last question for you, and then I'll let you get back to your evening. Uh, House Resolution 1, which is also known as the For the People Act, was recently blocked in the U.S. Senate. It, it, it passed in the House <laughs> under, under, under partisan. I'm glad it was blocked in the Senate. But that bill would have been had made sweeping changes to voting laws across the country. I mean, just looking through it, it would have allowed felons to vote. It would have impacted whether states could require voter identification and many other things that, right. that would have been horrendous, I think, for this country. But in your opinion, do many of these provisions in H.R. 1 seem to go against what you called in your recent article, common sense election integrity measures? 
A hundred percent. And two quick points. The first is H.R. 1, along with H.R. 4, which is still uh, being debated, uh, would radically redefine the, the balance of power between the states and the federal government in terms of setting election rules and procedures. H.R. 1, H.R. 4 seek to transfer most of that power to the federal government. And in terms of H.R. 1, not only would it prohibit states from enacting common sense election reforms to make their elections less secure, it would affirmatively require them to adopt policies that would make their elections less secure. Like you said, requiring uh, automatic registration, requiring internet registration, prohibiting states from cross-checking their roles with certain databases. It's just a bad, bad, very dangerous bill. And I'm very glad it doesn't look like it's going to make its way out of the Senate. I'm right there with you. Zach Smith, legal fellow with the Heritage Foundation and frequent writer at thedailysignal.com. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this evening on Camo X. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Take care. My pleasure. Hey, what do you think about these voting laws passed by Georgia or Arizona? What do you think of the U.S. Congress's attempt to allow felons the right to vote? What do you think? Phone lines are open 314-436-7900 on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Welcome back to Camo X. You know, you should uh, jump on reading the all of the articles that Zach Smith wrote. Mike Mike Anderson shaking his head. You didn't like that transition? Come on, man. That was that was good. It was I, I brought in referencing Van Halen and Jump, and I worked it into my conversation. And you're just shaking your head. Why? I don't understand why that wasn't a, a fantastic radio transition. It was great, Brad, but I can admit the second I heard that song come on, I knew you were going to say, <laughs> make some pun about jumping. It's your style, and uh, I love it. I'm so predictable. I know I'm so predictable. But I, I, I'm glad we got to, to, to talk to, to Zach Smith in the last segment because he is, he is on top of this stuff. And one of the things that drives me insane about this H.R. Uh, 1, the For the People Act, was there was a provision in there that would – prohibit any state from banning convicted felons from voting. And I just think that's wrong. Now, Florida has a way that if you're a convicted felon, if you jump through some hoops about uh, rejoining society and paying your debt and being clean for a certain amount of time and you can regain your right to vote, I don't have any problem with that. You know, if you pay your debt to society and you show that you've rehabilitated yourself, you should be able to regain your right to vote. But just a blanket, a blanket by law stating every convicted felon gets the right to vote. I, I think that's wrong. And it's wrong for a very simple reason. Because if you've committed a felony, if you've been convicted of a felony, basically you're saying, I don't like the laws of this country. And you've broken them voluntarily if it's a felony. Because if you even get convicted of a felony and it's your first offense, you're going to plea bargain down to a misdemeanor. We know how this works. So if it's a felony, you've you've essentially said, I disagree with the laws of this country. So why should you be allowed to be in charge of picking the people who make the laws of this country if you are against the laws of this country? I mean, let me give you an analogy. What would it be like if if moo-moo-wearing cat hoarder ladies were in charge of determining how many pets you should be allowed to own? I mean, that's crazy. 
if a lady's got 75 cats and 82 dogs living in her house, she should not be the one in charge of determining how many pets you get to have. And that's what happens if you allow felons the right to vote unless they rehabilitate themselves. And so I like the Florida approach. It doesn't bother me that felons lose the right to vote, but if they're going to regain it, that's fine. But you have to work. You have to work to regain that trust to a level necessary that allows you to start once again choosing the legislators in this country. Phone lines are open for the next hour. 314-436-7900. Call or text on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 